0: A lot
1: of fun. Keep it fun.
0: Hello, everybody. Welcome to the UK Packers podcast. As usual, I'm your host at nfl on Twitter, and of course, follow the group at UK Packers. And I'd love to be saying, as usual, because me and um the, pretty much any guest that I have on will talk about the pre-production and we have a chat. And me and this man here have just been chin wagging for the last solid half of an hour, anyway. Just I could barely get a word in edgeways peter jones and peter jones if anyone doesn't know go to ukpackers.co.uk and check out the blog and it's just peppered with some uh masterpieces and i have mr michelangelo on himself peter buddy how are you doing today man even though i've been speaking to you for
1: a while how's it going buddy Steve, i'm 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 doing really good just appreciate the um, chance to come on and talk some packers football and is that, um,
0: is that true peter after this game is that true can you still say that that's true <laughs>
1: Well it it's still true as long as I don't turn out to be the time Montgomery of podcast guests.
0: <laughs> don't fumble, don't fumble in the last 2 minutes I'm, of the podcast. It's very important you kick it back to me. No, I'm but take, I'm taking a knee now. <laughs> proposing already, Peter. You spoil me. Um, so Peter, this game uh, is right up there in the pain factor for me. Almost with the NFC Championship game. Obviously, we don't have a Super Bowl to go to. However, this game could be as pivotal if you were to read the bloggers out there that this loss will have a chain reaction knock-on effect and basically Lambo's going to burn to the ground. Now, that's the popular (laughs) opinion out there, right? We're going to try to reel that in a little bit. But what I want to get is I want to dip the toe in the temperature here and just find out what Mr. Jones thinks of this game. We were underdogs coming in. And we had the chance to win it. In fact, we were winning this game up until the second minute and five seconds on the clock uh, before they kicked that field goal. This loss to you, is it as painful as if we had went in as, you know, going to win the game? Is it more painful because we were meant to lose the game? Is it more painful because of the fumble? Where's your head at with this one? So, Steve, I'm old. And, <laughs> and when, I, when I was much younger yeah
1: it would have been very, very painful um It doesn't feel as painful now as it probably would have ten or twenty years ago and that and that's probably because there's still half the season to go mm. and until we get to week sixteen week seventeen, we don't really know how important this game is or is or isn't. And, and and realistically, going in, if you didn't know any of what happened during the game, and somebody had said you played the Rams really close, the unbeaten Rams really close, and you've just come up short by two points, if you didn't know any of the detail, mm. you'd probably say, "Wow, they must have played really well to 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 have done that." It is disappointing, obviously, and and the nature of the way that it happened is is. Very disappointing, but I can't get I can't get as down as some people that I've, you know, some of the posts and things that I've that I've seen today. Um, and maybe I should. Maybe maybe we'll look back on this after week 17 and say, if, if only that hadn't happened, we'd have won the division, would be in the playoffs. But I, I think we need to see how they play next week or this coming week in New England, the Miami game. Let's just see where we where we are there. I think anybody that's realistic would expect us to be back at 500 after the Miami game if if you know four four on one if if we're better than that then 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 fantastic I think I think the season's going to be ultimately defined by what happens from the Miami game onwards and if they were to run the table or come close to running the table they're going to get in and then once you're in
0: yeah you're in the dance. You've got the shoes on. Uh, yeah. But my, my problem with it really is, it, well, there's a couple of things really. Number one, I think we're kind of getting away with it because the division is still close. Yep. I think this would be a different narrative, right? If the Vikings were running away with it or the Bears, God forbid. Um, and let's not talk about the lines. But it's just, it's, uh, no, no offense to all the lines out there, including the ones in the zoo. But I'm just thinking, like, it's sort of papered over the cracks and... We can't really go any further in the podcast without getting the conspiracy theory off our chest because (laughs) the reports that we've heard out there, and again, I'm going to quote it, but I have to put in the expletive bleep if I've seen the whole thing, is that let's go from the end first, I guess. What really annoys me about this game is, and it is Brandon (laughs) Bostic-esque in the sense that, but I think that there's two very different intents to this in a way, and there's a different dynamic happening is that Brandon Bostic saw the ball and made a play in the ball in the NFC Championship game. I'm just going to specify that in case people think I think Brandon Bostic is still playing for the Packers, um, it's just that um, because did you know that uh, I think it was Paddy Power or Bet Fair or someone, uh, they had Aaron Ripkowski as eighty to that. one yep. for first, yep. first <laughs> score. I was like, yep. come on, Paddy, uh, do a bit of research. <laughs> um, so is that for Brandon Bostic He went up and got the ball. It wasn't his assignment. Yes, he should have left it, but he saw the ball and he's trying to secure it uh, because he's thinking it's it's literally right there. I'll fall on it. Everything's okay. Yeah. He wasn't looking to be a hero in my mind. I don't think he just literally was trying to win the game for his team. Um, which is almost getting penalized for being a team player, whereas the stories coming in about Ty Montgomery is, is that he's this running back slash wide receiver hybrid. Um, you know everyone's calling for Aaron Jones to play. Jamal Williams, you know, gets the first, uh, running back moniker for some people. Um, certainly from this team, it's it's the two of them sort of rotated around. Ty Montgomery coming in playing a big part you know his identity is kind of being at a loss for a while now he's a he's a running back with a with a wide receiver number um you know and his identity is kind of in crisis to a way to to a degree and people are kind of thinking look he's doing this to try uh you know bring the ball out to try make a name for himself maybe he could rip off a big play but then there's stories coming out to say that uh he was fuming that he was pulled in the last drive and he was smashing his helmet around the place and that when he came out he knew and was told allegedly to not take the ball out but he did to try prove himself and to kind of be a what do they call it is an fu play to everybody else that he can <laughs> yeah. do what he wants now i don't know about you uh, peter if you subscribe to this type of stuff now whether he was told or not i don't know and i hate when people go yeah he was told you know sack him get rid of him like yeah. i don't know if that's true now i think that it's implied and we've all been in workplaces where you're like you did what Obviously, don't do that. You know what I mean. Don't <laughs> yeah. don't put your hand into a boiling pot. And you think that it's obvious, but sometimes under the heat of the moment, you know. And we don't know what time Montgomery saw it, and there were stories coming out that you know he put his fists out as if to say, like it's a kill sign that I'm just going to take this. Don't bother. You know, going on your blocking assignments. I'm just going to kneel yeah. this thing down. Then he brought it out anyway. So did you see any of that, Peter? And would you subscribe yeah. to the fact that all of these conspiracy theories that it was kind of an <laughs> fu to the coach and stuff? I'll do what I want. So
1: so, so it's. It's difficult for me to believe that that there's a premeditated fu to yeah. to, to to the coaching staff. I it may be the case, but I, I I doubt that. I think the stories about him coming off the field, throwing his helmet down because he was taken out, and that happens all the time.
0: Yeah,
1: uh, that happens a a lot. Um, just in this case, it, this one happened to be followed by. Let's just say a comedy of errors. Yeah. Um, I really, to be honest, I really don't know where I stand on this because I, I, I'm, I'm not sure of what the facts are. Mm. Um, I would have expected. You see, I think that it's difficult to expect an athlete to go against his his nature, his or her nature, um and that is they want to make a play, they want to run the ball, and, and, and you're telling an athlete to be Passive by taking by taking by taking a knee, so I think unless he was specifically reminded before that play, um, I think he's if you like has got a little bit of an out there because I would have I would expect that that guys are very emotional they understand the state of the game you know we're, we've got a chance to beat the Ram, unbeaten Rams on the road everything's great it's all rah rah. Mm-hmm. That's when you, I would expect my coaching staff just to step in and just say, "Ty, we're not running this out. Come what may, we're not running this out." Okay, no problem. You understand? Yep, fine, fantastic. So I think there is an onus on, on the coaching staff there. If the c- conspiracy theory stuff is true, then I think he's gone this week.
0: Yeah.
1: Because because you can't have that. Um, and whilst that's not the generally been the Packers way you only have to look at you know Demarius Randall last year um I I I think that so much of this has now come out that if any of that stuff is is true then 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 I'm afraid he's probably gone um and that's and that's and that's a shame because I think because I think he's a player over the last over the last three years like as you've described it's kind of been a jack of all trades and you know Perhaps could have been a decent NFL receiver had he stayed at receiver, or perhaps been a decent NFL running back if that would, was was where he was meant to be. But but I think that he's done the Packers a, a decent job over over three years. But ultimately, he's not one of your star players. And when you're in that, I don't know, let's say 40 to 53 on the roster. Mm. You've, you've got to be as squeaky clean as as you possibly can be, because there's there's plenty of guys that are, are out there to come to come and replace you.
0: Yeah, but what what was very suspect to me though with him, and I'm not sort of subscribing to the fact that like my tinfoil hat now is is off <laughs> and down for the moment, is that I don't subscribe to it, and I don't know if like you said, I think you know players come off and they kick water bottles and they trash helmets yeah. around, and if you're Odell Beckham Jr., then you headbutt air conditioning units. Um, so, yeah, I don't think that's important. But what was very odd was I've seen players being overcautious and it's like a learner driver where they have two hands on the wheel and it looks kind of ridiculous. I would have expected that level of caution, uh, you know, with the with. Holding on to the ball, he, the way he was running out with it in one hand, and then he comes into contact and kind of shoulders a guy over in sort of a, I don't know, what seemed to be a bit of bravado as if they said, I'm going to trounce you to the ground to get my last play of the game in. Yeah. I just don't understand why he did it. It was a very sort of uh, boneheaded move. Now, again, the over-analysis police are out, and they're saying, oh, this guy went to Stanford, and he was clever, and he should have <laughs> known, and all this type of stuff. And I don't know, like, does a player need to be told, but Aaron Rodgers, a quarterback, not to take it out of the end zone?
1: I, th- I think I think in an ideal world, you would think that's, that's the case.
0: Mm.
1: And even if we believe that's, that's, that's the case, heck, the special teams coach Ron Zook's right there, and it doesn't do any harm to say, remember, remember what we talked about in practice? Mm. You're, taking a, you're taking a knee when not running this thing out. Now, if that happened... If that conversation or something similar to that happened and Montgomery did it anyway, he's on very dodgy he's on very very dodgy ground. One of the saddest things for me about all of this is that some of the plays leading up to that situation have kind of been forgotten, yeah, um, because because of what happened, and that's and that's natural. Um, but you know, um, J.K. Scott's 25-yard punt. Yeah. That that set the Rams up at the Packers forty yard line in essence gave them the go ahead score. Um that's you know, that's kind of been overlooked in in all of this, which which like I say is is natural. But there was there's a lot leading up to how we ever got into that into that situation.
0: I think you're right, and even if anyone if you want proof of that, it's a very common soundbite to hear um was Holmgren turning around and saying the breath Favre listen, no more rockaballs, please. And, yep. you know, it's that kind of, you know, you know he's a gunslinger, but he still yep. has to turn around and say to him, listen, like none of that now, you you on the same page, you hear me? And he sort of, you know, and there's plenty of occasions where you hear him saying to him, listen to me, listen to me, listen to me. And he's having to tell uh, him like, throw it uh, ab- away, throw it away. Yeah.
1: <laughs> no, a- a- absolutely. That, and that, you know, and that, and that goes on a lot. And, and, and it's a great example, because not only did Fav have homegrown, but he also had Andy Reid, and yeah. Steve Mariucci, who were in his ear all the time, mm. and you know, and that's and that's because Favre was an emotional guy, you know, as we all as we all know, thought he could do anything with a, with a football, and they 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 had to rein him in, and it was it was really difficult. I guess one thing to say about Holmgren, um, and people kind of miss this, and a lot of people I think in Green Bay miss this when he went there, yeah, he comes across as this kind of amiable, almost Craig Stadler for those people that know golf, kind of big guy with a moustache, Holmgren was a really, really hard taskmaster and a tough guy, the right, the right guy for Favre. And, and, and I don't know whether the Packers have that personality in any of the coaching staff right now.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, it's difficult to tell. You know, I don't think McCarthy's that kind, of, that kind of guy, and I don't know whether any of the others are. And sometimes it's probably needed.
0: Yeah, well, that's one of the criticisms that's out there um, amongst all of the Twitterati is that they're saying, you know, oh, another example again of how McCarthy is just not holding anybody to account. Um, but before this runs off the rails and we start talking <laughs> too negatively, let's look at the positives because to go toe-to-toe with the Rams, um, you know, there was absolutely stellar, fantastic stuff on both sides of the ball. We could see the offense by and large moving the ball. Now, I know there was stutters and stalls and we came away with, you know, field goals um, whatever and it could have went further and we can say all of those things but something that sort of stands out to me as usual would be Devontae Adams that chemistry is still alive and well 5 receptions for 133 yards um, 26.6 yards at, uh, per play per catch average which is just ridiculous with that long of 48 which was just a thing of beauty of leaping up like a gazelle in the middle of the field if I can use some David uh, Marcus Valles Scantling is one of the most important things to come out of this game the only 2 receptions um, the long of 40 yards and the other 5 yarder um, on 5 targets so it doesn't sound that sexy Peter but MVS is looking pretty exciting to me especially because that exchange that came out with Rodgers where apparently he asked MVS on the sideline what do you want
1: yeah it's, so yeah a couple of things there. I mean I think that the the, the the Adams play on I think it was the Packers second second drive down, down the sideline where he put the double move on Marcus Peters and I think that was the 48 yarder. It was was a fan, fantastic um, piece of route running by Adams. Great movie put on put on Peterson. And, and Adams, I think, is is now stepping up to be the Pro Bowl All Pro level receiver. Yeah. So you know, I think he he had somebody's going to correct me on this 997 receiving yards last season or the season before. So he hasn't yet had a thousand yard. Season and that's kind of the mark as we know for for receivers. Um, but i but I think that he stepped up there and he's in the upper upper echelon now of of receivers. And that play that he made on the Packers, I'm pretty certain, is the second the second possession. Really got them moving, and really got the passing game moving after they run well on the first on the first possession. And then somehow Jones seemed to disappear from the game, but that's a Another conversation we 'll get to, I think, <laughs> um, but yeah, no Adams is fantastic, and the thing about Marcus valdez scantling um I saw somebody tweet today, and it was it was interesting, and it was a little bit tongue in cheek um, the and 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 the tweet was something like don 't shoot me for saying this but m v s reminds me of a young james lofton, yeah, and I can see that i uh, um you know lofton was was a world class athlete world class long jumper um, great athlete obviously turned out to be one of the greatest packers of all um, but i but i can I can see that you know and if if MVS were to turn out to be half the player that James Lofton was then we've got a pretty damn good receiver in the fifth round or whatever it was we got him in so yeah i you know i'm really really encouraged you know in the last two three games with with MVS EQ Equanimius St. Brown. Mm. Um again, you know, the great catch against the forty ers a couple of weeks back late in the game. Again, I think he only caught I'm right in thinking one ball yesterday.
0: Two, uh, yeah.
1: Two, yeah. Yep. Um, but again, look looked really good. So those so those two guys, you know, added to Adams, added to, to Jimmy Graham, who is kind of dividing dividing opinion. But I but I think, you know, we've got an, an excellent passing game there. Um, and that passing game will only get better if we can sort the running game out.
0: Yeah, and that—that's the whole point. Like Jimmy Graham, I don't know if he has the Jared Cook effect, where he, because he's such a big target, is such a well-known name, that he drags coverage with him. And I would be interested to see what the stats are with Graham on the field. Although he won't get the target, yeah. um, so if anybody out there is a bit of a statistician, <laughs> uh, you know, off you go. Um, so that'd be interesting to see there. Aaron Jones just continues to be a revelation. Twelve carries, eighty six yards, seven point two yards per carry average, and that excellent touchdown. Um, albeit the offensive line did an awful lot of the work there for the long at thirty three uh, to bring the Packers really you know strongly back into this game. Um, are you as annoyed as everybody else with the whole you know Aaron Jones not getting the carries that he should and comparing them f- for anybody listening 12 carries for Aaron Jones 4 for Jamal Williams and 2 for Ty Montgomery so you know he's threefold on the next running back but it's still not enough for some people um, and he did go anonymous in this game due to play yeah. calling so, so so
1: originally I wasn't um, earlier on in the season I know he missed the first two games suspended for the first two games and and it takes time to, to to get going. But so originally I wasn't, but I have come round now to the fact that it would be different if this was a seven and one team. You know, then then you could say actually, you know, the results are proving that, that whatever it is we're doing is is right. But when you're three three and one, and, and Jones, uh, six of his carries came in the first quarter. So by yeah. the end of the first quarter, you know, he's got six carries for 40-odd for yards. He only had another six in the whole game. Yeah. And I, and it's pretty indefensible to me. I, I I There was part of me earlier that was thinking, if you look back to the 2010 season, that James Starks came through right at the end of the season and through the playoffs and was fantastic. And where the part of McCarthy's thinking was, I don't want to get Jones beat up as the season goes on he's going to get more and more carries and by the time we get to week 16 week 17 into the playoffs he's going to be the the main guy but heck the way things are going we're not even going to make it that far um so I yeah I've I've absolutely come round to the to the opinion that there's a problem there now there may be an issue that we don't know about yeah that's that's the only um, reticence I have about criticising it too much, but but on the face of it, it looks it looks bizarre. You know, say six carries in the first quarter, only another six in the whole in the whole game, and to make that even worse, then is you know on the play that they gave up the safety, which again is another conversation, but the play on which they gave up the safety, you're stuck at your one own one foot line the guy that you hand it to you're expecting i'm going to get my big back in there you know williams even if he's going to get ahead for a yard or two who do i have in the backfield on that play aaron jones that that is just from the outside looking in just just seems very strange to me
0: yeah there were some very odd decisions that being really pivotal i think that's Whatever about Ty Montgomery fumbling, and yes, Ty, we know you're listening and it is your fault, (laughs) but I think Aaron Jones, that that play is just as culpable, I think, you know, being up 10-zip and then to rip off that safety, which then sets up good field position for the Rams. Now I know. Now again, I'm you know I'm not even going to say that they looked out by getting those two decisions that went their way. They were just two really good football plays, albeit a bit of a dodgy one with Gurley, where you know it pops off to hand. Who was it? Uh, Whitehead. What? Um, yeah, and then he ends up coming back in with the ball. But again, that was just a good football play, um, where he comes back in and ends up catching that uh, and keeping his feet in balance. So I don't think you can sort of say, oh, they looked out with the challenge flags and they were the real MVPs of the game. Um, <laughs> so. I think that was the real momentum shift and that really brought the Rams back into it. And Mike Daniels came out after the game and said that they really should have just smacked them in the mouth when they could because in fairness, you know, they did give up nearly 30 points. Defensively then, do you think that rings true or are you pretty happy with the performance? And I, and finally, this is my million questions in one. I said on the last sort of, um, you know, 10 minute takedown that lasted 17 minutes, by the way, talk about value for money, <laughs> is that the, the Packers are like me playing golf or anybody playing golf, I find, is that if you go out with someone crap, you play crap and you've f- half your time in the bushes looking for your ball. But if you go out with someone who's proficient, you end up up in your game. And that seems to be what the Packers are doing here. So do you think it's a case of that, that this is coming off a of bye week, everybody's healthy, we're matching the Rams toe for toe, we've got a good game plan, we've extra time to prepare? Or is this a defense that you see you can sort of crack on from here and keep that level of elevated performance?
1: So, so I think it's both. Um, I mean, it was, it was you know a superb defensive performance. They got away with the odd hold potentially here, here and there, but that's okay. I'd rather hold those guys than than, than let them have an easy, easy, easy reception. And Jair Alexander was fantastic. You know that that's that's why he was drafted for for that kind of game for those kind of plays that he made. So I'm quite optimistic about the, 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 defense, the, the concern I have, and it's probably, we have this every year and, and some of this is driven by the salary cap and everything else is, 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 is the depth.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, if you look at, if you look at the defensive line, um, okay, Wilkerson's gone down, but those guys, those guys played a fantastic game game, you know, Kenny Clark and, and um Mike Daniels and you know and, and Dean Lowry kinda of, kinda of fell into a sack. But <laughs> but but you know, he is what he is and he's given everything he's got. So I'm I'm quite okay with those guys. The linebackers, eh. um, well it was an interesting defence that the Pettin played most of the game yesterday. So so it was only two linebackers out on the field for most for most of the game. Mm. Um which was um, Martinez, who never comes off the field, and Clay Matthews for most for most of it, with with the odd um, play from Kyler Fackrell, who had yet another sack, surprisingly, and and Reggie and Reggie Gilbert, but it's the the six defensive backs. It's really interesting. So three corners and three safeties. Yeah. So that you know the corners we we I think generally we like, you know, Alexander King, Tremont Williams. I know there are some people questioning Tremont Williams, but um, let's face it, the guy's 72 years old. So, (laughs) so, so, you know, he's going to get beat up a bit and not be able to run with everybody, but clearly Josh Jackson, for whatever reason, they don't think he's ready to play.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, I think he only had two snaps on, on defense yesterday um but what's really interesting to me was the, the the in that in that dime defense was the three safeties yeah and and it it's i've tried to not not get too down on Kentrell Bryce you know it's his first year as a starter and, and all of the, and all of that stuff but sometimes you wonder whether if you add the three safeties together whether you even get one and i don't i don't know i think that Bryce is a trier i think that Whitehead's a trier hmm. Um, as we know, twenty-one splits opinion.
0: Under a seventh lot. of the century, Peter. Under <laughs> seventh of the century, Jesus. It's like those game shows. You know when you say the wrong word or the wrong answer, like "QI," and the buzzer goes off. That's after happening. Ha <laughs> ha, Clinton Dix is the is the safe word for many people in the bedroom. But ha um, ha, Clinton Dix is really dividing opinion. And again, we saw an article from Michael Cohen um, coming out in a couple of tweets and he got a lot of heat for it as well from the HaHa fans, um, people who like a good laugh. And they, they were giving out to him just saying, you know, you really seem to be on this guy. But again, it looked like HaHa Clinton Dix gave up that uh, touchdown to Reynolds yep. in the end zone. So... He does divide opinion um there's multiple things with this guy you know he's he's seen to be sort of he blames well this is the reputation that he has online, certainly he's coming out and blaming teammates and blaming coaches after last season um you know, and a pro ball player who definitely has the potential and I feel like he comes up on the podcast every single week and mostly for negative reasons, you know he talks about this being an interview and all of the rest. And we see some good grades from what he does on Pro Football Focus, yet he gives up the big plays. So that's kind of a head-scratcher. You know, what's, what's the Peter Jones book on Haha ha Clinton Dix here? Would you buy into the Jay Glazer <laughs> hype that he's on the trade block and would you let him go? Or, I mean, how are we feeling? So, so
1: I, I personally, if I was Goot, I, I, would, I would trade him. Yeah. Um, on the assumption that, that, that I could get a second round or third round or third round pick for him. Um the chances are if, if he leaves in free agency after this season, they probably end up with a third round compensatory pick for him anyway.
0: Yeah.
1: Um but but the following year. But for me um I I think a lot of us lots of us have, have tried to see it in Clinton Dixon I I, I just don't see it. Yeah. Um fantastic athlete there's no there's no quest there's no question about that um but he has to play and from from everything that i see he's 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 not for me
0: yeah i'm inclined to agree and i've kind of been off the clinton Dix train since i think it was last season with that game against the colts you see if anyone listens to the podcast regularly you know exactly what i'm talking about <laughs> i just keep coming back to that i just can't let it go um but again, we look. We saw stellar performances put in by Blake Martinez. Um, twelve total, uh, tackles, seven solo. He Even got himself um a sack, which was great to see. Clay Matthews looks to be, I don't know. There was all this hullabaloo about him playing inside. Um, and you know he ended up getting purchased seven solo tackles, uh, one sack, no flags. Surprisingly, which is great. Two quarterback hits. So again, a promising performance from Clay Matthews. The jury for me is still out on Matthews if I'm honest I don't know whether the game plan suited him but I remember having to go on and do a podcast having to go on that sounds so bad doesn't it <laughs> having to go on someone's podcast I can't mention the podcast now Jesus Christ um, so I remember going on a podcast and they you know wanted me to talk about Clay Matthews in it and sort of how the defence are doing and I was like okay I'll have a dig because it was all over the media at the time I was like oh, I can't believe they're wasting Clay by playing him inside when they should be playing him outside oh he's, he's wasted there but when I looked into the stats, he actually had more sacks and tackles from the from playing inside than outside, which I found pretty shocking. And in fact, he'd elevated his game much more inside than he had in the last number of seasons, which I was like, Jesus, that's, you know, counterintuitive. It goes against a narrative that's in the media, so you can't always listen to the buzz headlines. Um were you as impressed with, with Clay in this game, uh, or is really just the defensive starlet always going to be in this game, Jair Alexander, who has just played lights out?
1: Yeah, I think I think that Alexander is gonna be, you know, who was the defensive MVP, if you like.
0: Yeah.
1: Um but I think that Matthews to me played the best game that we've seen him play this season. However, you know, we're at the point in his career where he's not the two thousand and ten Clay Matthews. And and, you know, like all of us as we get as we get old. Um, the body's breaking down a bit. Can't run quite so fast. Needs more more time off, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, he is what he is at this stage of his career, and and I suspect that he's probably better suited to play inside now now at yeah. this stage of his career than he is as a as an outside pass rusher. The defense that Pettin obviously set up for yesterday really helped him. Um, And he kind of is what he is because we don't have anybody else to rush the passer from the edge. You know, um, Nick Perry, was he even playing yesterday?
0: Do you know Um, what? I was very surprised when I saw his jersey number in the highlights. (laughs) I was (laughs) kind of like, really? I don't remember seeing him when I was watching the actual game. So so he wasn't on the
1: inactive list. So he was out out there somewhere, (laughs) apparently. Um, But, you know, Matthews is still the top edge rusher that we have. And that probably says it all Mm. about... About where this, where a either where this defense is and where it can go, but but b perhaps the the, the tools that Mike Petten has to work with or or doesn't have to work with, and you have to believe that come the draft that that the edge rusher position is the one that they're going to have to going to have to concentrate on.
0: Yeah, I keep saying on the podcast that this is definitely a team in flux. I mean, we're not talking about a rebuild like in Oakland, or if you really want to, you know call it as it is a coach who has absolutely no idea what he's doing and is selling all of his players
1: yeah well he's just trying to get all 32 first round picks isn't he that's
0: yeah, that's we we won't do. be laughing then, will we? We won't be <laughs> laughing then. Um I wonder what you know, why are we gonna give our picks to him and what are we gonna get? Um he's you know, we've, he's got nobody left. Uh so yeah, it's just this is a team in flux and I think that anybody who thinks that this is a team that's good to go, but that's what I'll always say about the Packers, that as bad as we can be and as banged up as we can be in certain positions, particularly the secondary and how poor we've been at safety and cornerback now for a number of years. Um, you know, we always nearly get to the dance. And that's why I think, you know, one more push to get some pass outside pass rushers. I think this team would be in much better shape. I'm very encouraged by what I see from Jair Alexander. For whatever reason, they targeted him yesterday. Um, now, Jared Goff threw the ball, uh, what was it, 32 times? Something like that. Yeah. Um, 35 attempts, um, 19 completions. Five of those passes were broken up by Jair Alexander. That's 14% of all of his throws, went Alexander's way and got slapped away. Now, he did header the ball once, which I'd say absolute kudos to you, Jigger Alexander, a right <laughs> nod to uh, the UK way of life. But, you know, just a just an unbelievable player. The fire that he had, the fact that he's coming off a groin injury and played so well, the cornerback position looks bright. Um, Something that is kind of still out there for me is Kevin King. I'm not entirely sure... Kind of how you know I was very high on him and all the rest, but you know if you look at his stats, um, two tackles, two solo, uh, one passes, one pass defensed. Um, he comes up as he did against the Niners, and um, with that big play. Yeah. But then he was caught napping on the hecker on the hecker converted fake punt. Now, is that King's fault or was that just such a good play? Because there was an awful lot of criticism online, Peter, that this is what the Rams do and how in the name of Lord Baby Jesus did Kevin King not see it? Not the exact words said online, but something similar.
1: Well, I think, I think if you were to be blunt about it, you, you're going to say it's, it's, it's King's fault. I think realistically... You know, 99 times out of 100, 999 times out of 1,000, whatever it is, um, there's not a fake punt, and you know he's he's just getting a jump on on the guy going down the field. Um, I don't have a huge problem with with the fake punt. I would have a problem if we saw it again. So, you know, it's one thing to make a mistake once. Um, but you don't want to be making the same, the same mistake again. Then I'd then I'd have a um, I'd have a real problem with it. I think as I think as a corner, I think that King. We like, obviously we like we like his size. He doesn't make enough plays for for my liking. So I think mm-hmm. you've kind of highlighted that with with um, you know the number of plays that he was in on or not in on, as the case the case may be. Um, but I think he's a pretty decent cover corner. Yeah. So he so he's not in the upper upper echelon, and, and a, from what I've seen, I don't think he's ever going to be. But that doesn't mean that he couldn't. He's not going to have a solid, let's say, Tremont Williams type twelve-year NFL career. Um, which is which is which is which is you have to have those guys. So so. I'm not. I'm not that down
0: on him. Yeah, I think from a height perspective. Anyway, a it's jealousy with me, but b I think it's the fact that a guy that tall will give you just natural ability uh, and reach. Um, and I have seen him where he's creased people before. Um, but again, I think you know we really need to see more of him as the season progresses, and uh, to see him step up to the mark.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think the other thing is I think that you know. A, a half decent pass rush, and I know they had—I don't know how many sacks yesterday, five or five or six—but a half decent pass rush starts to cover a lot of ills in the se- in the secondary, mm. and it, and it's pretty fair to say that the Packers haven't had that half decent pass rush for a number for a number of years. So I think I think that the corners will suddenly look a little bit better, you know with with that pass rush
0: yeah because it was shocking to see that a team uh, like the unbeaten rams s- sort of suffer something similar where most of their pressure comes up the middle uh, with aaron donald and then dominican sue which i think yep. that the, you know the packers did a uh, by and large a fairly good job to contain since they've been wreaking havoc on teams that they faced um, up to this point so i guess for me the positives to take from the game is is that, you know, it's nice to get Jimmy Graham involved, albeit he was an arse cheek away from a touchdown, which was a shame. (laughs) Um, But the fact that he's still a bit of a threat and it goes to show what he can do. Um, I don't like when Aaron Rodgers throws into double coverage to him just to try force the ball to him. Um, That's kind of, you know, heart and mouth stuff. But I I like what I'm seeing from MVS and and ESB. Um, And Randall Cobb, again, you know, hands like an iron vice. The guy just gets the ball shoveled to him in sort of inopportune Uh, times and he ends up coming down with it Uh, one really impressive one uh, where Aaron Rodgers was rushed very close to the end zone um, and gets it out the car with sort of a release valve Um, Blake Martinez again I've heard criticism of him to say just because you know sort of quantity doesn't really mean quality with him Um, but 12 tackles in this game including a sack um, and he was really fast into the backfield uh, to put Gurley down on a number of occasions from what I remember Um, so I was really impressed by that. J.K. Scott um, off day for him. Some absolutely awful punting at times. Um, a fifty-five yard long, uh, which was good. But uh, apart from that, we've seen some really atrocious stuff, as you said earlier in the podcast, that kind of set him up. Uh, but by and large, the defense, uh, just a great scheme from Mike Petten and it's good yeah. to see that he's kind of finding his groove, which I I really hope continues. Is there anything else then, uh, Peter, that sort of stood out to you in this game, be it good or bad, at this point?
1: No, uh, I, th- I think we- I think we've covered most of it from a. From a Packers perspective, I, I, I think there's a lot of reasons to be positive. I know, I know it's, it's it's easy for us to get down the way the game ended, but I think that to play as good as even up with who I believe are the top team in the NFL right now mm. is, a, is a is a pretty good performance. Can they follow that up with just as good a performance, which which they'll need in New England this this coming week? I think that'll be the that'll be a true test. You know, if they, if, they, if they come out and 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 lose by 21 points this this coming week then that won't be good
0: yeah and if anything else I, th- I think what you said is right i guess there's a parting shot to this game if you can go toe-to-toe with an undefeated team and really most of the way through that well actually all of the way through that game to lead until it comes down to two minutes and um, you know you can't say that you've been out coached you can't really particularly say you've been outplayed um you know you're you're in it to win it at that stage and really everyone will be coming away every player will be coming away thinking that that's a game that we basically just fumbled away um you know and if you look at the safety had we not suffered that safety this would be a tied game as it was um and you sort of wonder how the game was to go then so i think if that doesn't give them sort of a bit of a pep on their step going into this next game because that shows that this Packers team are capable of beating the unbeatable. Um, so, as you said, I think it, it is right. If you can't beat the Patriots, if you do get waxed by the Patriots, I think we've sort of lost our identity and it's yeah. looking pretty ominous.
1: Yeah. The other thing for me, I just wonder whether any of the officials had any yellow flags yesterday. Now, I, don't know what, <laughs> I don't know what the stats were, but one of the things I noted down was there do not seem to be any flags in this game. Now, I'm sure there were the there was the odd penalty here and there, but there weren't very many. It was yeah. a game that seemed to be played with no penalties.
0: It was pretty odd. I think, what was the stat at the end of it? Was there only two penalties or something that like what that, it for that the what pack? it was? That's yeah, what I remember mid-game. Anyway, I don't, <laughs> haven't looked at the stats now myself, but yeah, that's weird. Odd. Anyway. Mm. Oh, well, it must have been a laundry day, and they were like, if you got me <laughs> yellow flags? No, just red ones, so we're just going to give the, extra ones to uh, Sean. They ran,
1: they ran out of them earlier <laughs> in the season or something.
0: Yeah, but um, yeah, on Clay Matthews, you're just not allowed to do it anymore, it's an embargo. <laughs> but listen, uh, Peter, you do some fantastic work, um, in the community, you know, you're very charitable. No, you do some fantastic work, uh, for ukpackers.co.uk, uh, in writing your articles. It's always a pleasure to get them in and up, um, for the people, and they're always well received. But like I was sort of saying to, to people before, when you read an article, you can more often than not tell. The depth of experience and knowledge that a person has right now peter is blushing at the moment his head is so big he can't get out the door so we're gonna have to keep him in and just relax him.
1: but i'm now on two knees
0: two knees. So, it's unbelievable yeah. um but yeah it's just um <laughs> there's a joke in there somewhere but yeah. it's just no, uh <laughs> <yes. laughs> do we cut it out do we not cut it out we leave it in and um, so there's a joke there too so anyway peter um You know, you've been a fan for a very long time and you've a very interesting story as to how you become a fan and also your interactions with some people around the Packers organization from being a fan and a writer and um, just an all round, you know, uh, just NFL nut is just fascinating. (laughs) And I'd love to be able to bring that to the people. Can you tell us what year did Peter Jones, little Peter Jones, uh, become a fan and how? and we'll amble then into just the ridiculous stories that you have that are connected to the Lombardi era coaching so, stuff.
1: So, yeah, so 1978 was um my first year as a as a Packers fan and, and like lots of kids Steve I was into every sport.
0: Yeah.
1: Um not very good at most of them but I was kind of into every sport and I used to live near a US Air Force base and the guy next door to me was from Madison Wisconsin and big Packers fan and he kind of got me started as a relatively young kid and um, I used to go to the Air Force Base and see games on TV and he showed me how to get the American Forces Network which I'm sure that some of the listeners to this podcast will have tuned in at ridiculous hours trying to listen to the American Forces Network on the radio
0: yeah
1: in, in between the Spanish opera singer who used to fade in and out on a Sunday evening and and stuff. So yeah, 1978. So this is my, I guess, 41st season as a Packers fan. So um, more than two fifths of the Packers history, I guess that is. That's um, awesome. <laughs> that's
0: absolutely <laughs> and, bonkers. You're pre- that's probably longer than an awful lot of people listening to podcasts have been alive. I, I was suspecting that. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, you were thought and I just said it. That that's bonkers. And. I was only one when I started, obviously. One, yeah. Well, that's yeah. it. You were born and raised into into it all. That's nuts. And so when did you first go to Green Bay then to get your first taste of, of live football? Because what fascinates me about fans who get into it uh, like you did and we have... Um, Andy Davies comes on the podcast and he talks about Forces Radio and listening to it and uh, Paul Davies I think is Forces Radio Andy Davies talks I think it's Force Radio and he talks about getting the magazine and doing the play-by-play you know (laughs) a week after and all that kind of thing so how long from 1978 to actually getting yourself over there?
1: So so it was in the 1990s before I first I first went there and it's interesting that you mentioned Andy and Paul because Mm. um, we tried to get something going kind of as fan club wise in the in the 90s but you know and we had kind of a newsletter and stuff for two, for two or three years there but nothing like what what you guys have, have done so I really appreciate the hard work and whatever that, that, that you guys have, have put into it but Andy and Paul I've known from back in that in in that time so it's, mm-hmm. it's really really cool that they're you know still huge huge Packers fans as much as any of us are and um, you know, I've never met either of them. In fact, I'm not sure I've even spoken to them on the phone. But they feel like good friends, mm. and and such knowledgeable, knowledgeable guys. You know, um, and there's and there's two or three others names that kind of crop up from that from that period. So it's so it's a it's a it's a it's a really neat thing. But uh, yeah, 1990s was the first time I went over um, to to Green Bay and. That was through a through a mutual friend that I ended up meeting um, Red Cochrane, who was then um, a scout for the for the Packers, that gave me kind of a huge amount of insight yeah. into into the into the game behind the scenes, what went on, and um, yeah, so that's kind of I guess my Packers story for me starting back in in the late 70s it was much it was as much being a fan of the NFL so you kind of like like you described with with Andy and Paul um it's kind of you just picked up whatever you could you know mm. whether it was uh, um a magazine um a USA today that 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 usually came into the UK about 4 days after it had been printed in the in the US um yeah. anything anything at all um to um to try and learn about the nfl and then um in the in the mid 80s kind of when the the whole bears thing was was taking off um vestron video started h- producing a whole lot of nfl film stuff for the for the for the uk um which i've still got on vhs somewhere um and you got to see um you know players that you'd only read about you kind of got to see a bit of them on film so and i and i really I guess concentrated my learning as much on the old guys as what was going on today. So it really interested me about the, the '60s Packers and then the '50s Packers and then the '40s Packers. But actually, when you read about, let's say the '60s Packers, you're then looking at well, you know, some of the main teams they were up against were the Colts or the Cleveland Browns. So you go and look at those guys and you learn about those teams. So it's it was connections and if you like, it was a, it was a complete obsession and still is.
0: And you see, you very casually threw in Red Cochran. And if anybody <laughs> doesn't know who Red Cochran was, uh, he was one of the first coaches. And I believe you said he was the first coach hired by Vince Lombardi. Yeah. So he worked with him for many years, hired in 1959. And you were good personal friends with Red Cochran in the end. Can you tell us how that came about and what type of a guy and what type yeah. of stories that Red Cochran had?
1: So, so, So we, in essence... Cut a long story short, we, we had a mutual friend who, who who introduced us. And the first time I met Red was at Red and, um, and his wife Pat, was was at Red's house. Mm. And over there at the same time was, was our mutual friend and a guy by the name of Art Daly, who some Packer aficionados will know. He was a writer for the Green Bay Press Gazette mm. going back to about the no- late 1920s. So, not quite. George Whitney Calhoun days, but, (laughs) but just after that, and, and um, art was still writing all the way into, into the, into the nineties. But anyway, so I met Red first time over at his house and I'm as nervous as nervous can be. Uh, There was a swear word that nearly came out there. I was (laughs) as nervous as, as nervous can be because it's kind of the first time I'm meeting somebody that I've read about, but, but also this guy coached with, with Lombardi. It's like, how do I even talk to this guy? So I, I go in into the house and introduce. And he's, first thing he says to me is, "I've got a job for you." What? Okay. It's autumn, fall in Green Bay. Yeah. My job is to rake up the leaves in his garden. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so for the first two or three hours what? of spending time with Red, it was all raking up the leaves in did the he, garden. Did he supervise? Did he coach? Was he in the backfield telling him what to do? What the hell's going on out there? He um <laughs> he um oh, we did it we 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 did it together. But uh, um yeah it's just one of those huge gardens with, with loads of loose. So I guess I earned my keep or whatever that that day. And from then onwards we just we just hit it off and, and every time I went back to Green Bay I stayed with with Red and Pat. And, um, yeah, you know, until, until Red passed away in 2004 and Pat's still going strong, really good friend. I spoke to her on the phone on Friday, actually just gone mm-hmm. doing, doing really well. Um, but yeah, I mean, Red was a guy that you could, it was a, it was a Southern Southern guy. So kind of told it like it, like it is didn't mince his words, had lots of stories and, and just to sit down and, listen to him talk about anything to do with football whether it was the lombardi days whether it was the game that was on tv now whether it was back to his college days whether it was curly lambo whatever whatever it might be was just it was just mind-boggling and um to the point steve where i had before i went to bed every night i had to get a notebook out and write the stories down because i knew that i would never remember them all and i'm sure there's some to this day that i've I've forgotten, but, um,
0: I hope he had a good shorthand for the F word because he sounds like a, a colorful guy. What, what, what was your favorite, uh, Lombardi Cochrane story that he ever told you that um, you can repeat on the podcast? Yeah, I
1: think that, I think, well, I think there's a, there's, there's, there's there's a few things I can repeat and a lot more things I probably can't repeat. But I think that one of the things that, that, we always hear about when when we when we hear or read about lombardi and his coaching style and whatever else and how hard, how hard he worked the players and the coaches and and what have you and one thing red said to me he said that that, that was true hmm. but he said vince would never keep you back if there wasn't stuff to be done so if if they were you know preparing the game plan for the for the next week or or self scouting if they were done by five o'clock they were done Mm. so vince didn't hold them back in the office till six seven eight nine ten even if vince was still there himself just for the sake of doing it yeah and that's kind of never come across or hasn't to me in the books and stuff that you read you know it's all about everybody's working 25 hours a day and and what have you but it was as much about quality as it was quantity with, with vince as long as of course you turned up on Lombardy time, so about fifteen minutes before real time, you were you were you were fine. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so that's one thing that kind of kind of has never come across in a book and and, and that's what um what, what Red told me. Um there's a few other things, the kind of softer side of of Vince that, that when, when Red and Pat first moved to Green Bay, they had nowhere to stay. So so Red Red's interview for the job of um, the offensive backfield coach was held at the airport in Detroit, um, and that's that's a story in itself when they come back. to it But it was held at the airport in Detroit, and he got the job there and then. So it's the first first guy, yeah. first one of Vince's coaches to be hired. Um, and I, and I believe the very next day, um, Red and Pat got up and, and moved to Green Bay, but had nowhere to stay. And so when they got to they got to Green Bay, Vince and Marie put them up. And they they stayed with the Lombardis, I think for a number of weeks I don't think it was months but but, but for a short period of time until they got got somewhere to to stay um, nice. so, so there was a softer side to Vince and and you know red used to say that that Vince absolutely looked after the families and the wives and 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 that kind of thing so there was that you know that family side to to Vince that I think we probably all knew was there, but to hear it. Um, first-hand, if you like, or second-hand, was, um, I guess, confirmation of that.
0: Yeah, because he, Vince really sort of got it in the press, and Jerry Kramer talks about when he came out and defended Vince, it meant a lot to him because you'd sort of half think, I wonder how much of that image was painted by Vince of how he wanted to be seen, and then when it started to get out of control that he was sort of seen for being a right taskmaster... You know that whether he wanted to be like that or when he was criticised, that he kind of he seemed a bit more gentle and take on criticism more than people thought. So it's fascinating that you got to speak to the man who actually was his first coach and worked very closely with him.
1: And, and and I think of course it always helps when you're winning. Yeah. <laughs> so so you could probably get away with stuff when you're winning that you couldn't get away with if you if you were if you were losing.
0: Unless um, and Mike McCarthy's taken to heart, Alvarez, Dalton series. Or well, Dom Caper stuck around. Don't worry, Dom. They won't realise. Just sit tight. Um, <laughs> that, and look, you have stories about um, Dan Curry, Ron Kramer, um, and fascinating stories as well. But what I'd like to do is, and I'm sure everyone out there will agree, is that, Peter, we have to get you on um, as soon as we can and go through some of those stories because they're just just mind blowing and the fact that you were you know telling stories about you know getting mail from these guys with with plays and and patterns and it's just your experience beggars belief but if anyone wants to actually see and read some of your stuff, uh, go on to UKPackers.co.uk and just run down through the blog and give yourself a good hour. Go down and just click on each of those articles because they're fascinating. And of course, Pete, you bring in the power rankings every week. Um, how much of a kick do you get out of the power rankings, by the way? Because it, it's suspicious that your Packers little segment of where they land is always twice as long as <laughs> other teams. Um, but, uh, you know, because you you're pretty much an NFL nut, in fairness. I mean, do you consume an awful lot of the games during the week?
1: Yeah, so so um, I'm I'm fortunate. My wife's my wife's very good to me. She's American, mm. and so so she grew up as a as a Houston Oilers fan, actually. Um, so I'm she's teamless,
0: um, <laughs>
1: um, but she's very good to me. So so yeah, I I watch a lot of a lot of football. Mm. Um, so obviously, like 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 most people, you know, you get the live games on Sky and what have you, and you know every college game that's on. Um, I tend to I tend to watch some live on a on a Saturday evening and then have to record the rest and watch it during record. Is that kind of I am in the 1970s now. I've got my, VH, <laughs> my VHS, at my Betamax, <laughs> and I. Um, but I, you know, I DVR or whatever it is they called these days. Yeah.
0: So I I I, I, um... I think record's okay, Pete. I think okay. you get played you get boy for another year or so and record.
1: Okay. So 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 yeah, record those and watch and watch them watch them during the week um so yeah I, probably too probably too much football so by the time the end of january comes um it's probably time for a little break before before we get to the excitement of the draft but uh, yeah so but i'm you know I'm, I'm i'm very lucky my wife my wife is a football fan too so she kind of indul, indulges me
0: see that's the thing tactically marrying an american <laughs> Fantastic! I've tried to uh, get Joan to, you know, look at Clay Matthews in a in a saucy way and it's just not working. I just can't, just can't get her to it. Jair Alexander might turn things around, but have you seen that guy's eyes? Um, but Peter, it's been great having you on. I guess um, uh, a bit of housekeeping. Uh, we'll do it real quick. UK forward slash offers if you're looking for 10% off. So we're coming up to Thanksgiving now and Black Friday usually happens after Thanksgiving if I have my American correct. Um, which means that there's a massive sale usually on nfl europe shop so uh, if you save the offers paid to your favorites you can keep smushing that link and get yourself 10 percent off it certainly comes in handy uh, for me with family members presence and all the rest on top of that there's offers for gridiron magazine and pro football focus which again i'm a massive fan of Uh, you can get a fiver off their basic package 20 quid off their bigger package uh, for anybody that's interested um, and touchdown trips so our group trip is going ahead uh, still, would you believe, to go over to see the Miami Dolphins. So I'm stoked about that. Did I say stoked? So I'm stoked about that. So that's flying out from Heathrow this year, and um, which you can fly from wherever. And, you know, you can book Packers trips throughout the year, also playoffs, and you get that big discount for being with the UK Packers. This is the part of the podcast I feel people just switch off. But, um... So yeah, um, that's the housekeeping. So coming up is the 17-minute, 10-minute takeaway. And this week I have Wes Hodkowitz of Packers.com on who's going to do a really quick preview of the Patriots game. Uh, so it's always good to have Wes on. Um, and yeah, there's lots of exciting stuff coming up. And if you really liked um, Peter on the podcast, just go to at ITHedgehog and you can find him on there. Brits and Grits Jones on Facebook and UKPackers.co.uk to read all of his stuff. It's absolutely fantastic. Peter, I can't thank you enough for coming on. Um, so we're probably going to spend, you know, another two hours after this podcast is recording <laughs> just talking uh, about Red Cochran stories. Thank
1: you so much for, ha- for having me on. I love to talk football, love to talk Packers and yeah and 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 if there's if there's any particular subject matter that that any of our listeners would like to hear more about or think we could have some articles about or whatever, I'm happy to try if um if they want to let us know.
0: I want Packer Peter's Red Cocker and Corner. That's what I want. And I want just like every week a new installment of something from that little black notebook. And if we can have some sort of locked away private area that we can go just to read all of the really salacious details of all of the stuff you can't release publicly. Um, but yeah, it's fantastic. Uh, so hit up Peter at Hedgehog, And I absolutely dare anybody to disagree with what Peter says because... They'll come back in a very measured way and just prove you're wrong with information all the way back into the 70s. If you can get one over on, Peter, there's a free T-shirt for anybody who will do it. We will gladly pay that price <laughs> if you can outsmart Peter uh, Jones.
1: Steve, I hope you've got a lot of T-shirts, buddy. <laughs>
0: uh, no. Uh, so, Peter, great to have you on. And everybody, do tune in to the 10-minute takeaway, which is coming out this Thursday. Uh, and until then, I've been at Steady the NFL. Follow the group at UK Packers. Got onto Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Um, and everything else um, at UK Packers would you believe and uh, from at IT Hedgehog Peter Jones it's goodbye for this week